as we go through this series today, as we finish it out and read your Bible, why is it important to read your Bible? The song that uh, the praise team or the worship team sang there at the very end is based on a very well-known hymn called It Is Well With My Soul. And I don't know if you know the history of that, but I think the history of that song sets up perfect the importance of why we talk about what we do today. Uh, the song was written by a gentleman named Horatio Spafford. Now, one thing, we don't have cool names like that anymore. I mean, quick, how many of your friends are named Horatio? But Horatio Spafford was a prominent lawyer in Chicago. And this was back before air travel and everything like that. And he and his family had planned a trip to England. And something came up at the last minute where he was not going to be able to accompany his wife and his four daughters across the Atlantic at the same time. So he put his wife and his four daughters on the ship, and he sent them on ahead. And while that ship was crossing the Atlantic, something happened, and the ship sank. All four of his daughters died. His wife only is the one that survived. And when she finally got to England, she sent him a telegram telling him about what had happened, that she was the only one that survived. So a little later... He got on a boat, and he went to join his wife. And as they were crossing the North Atlantic, he had requested that the captain tell him when they got to the spot where the shipwreck had happened and his daughters had perished. And so the captain came up and told him that they were approaching the spot. And so he goes up on deck. And as he is crossing over the spot where his daughters died, the words come to his mind that became the song that we know it is well with my soul. And it starts out, When peace like a river attendeth my way, when sorrows like sea billows roll, whatever my lot thou hast taught me to say, it is well, it is well with my soul. Yeah, I'm a crier if you hadn't figured that out already. And that's the song I requested be sung at my funeral, you know, because I think there's a great message in that. We are in a trying time. I don't know if you guys have noticed it or not, but, you know, there's some things going on in our country. There's a... You might have heard there's a virus that's affecting a lot of things. Um, this is one thing you probably haven't heard of, but it's an election year. Um, you know, so there's all these things. And, you know, people are hurting financially. People are hurting emotionally. People are suffering through a lot of things. So as we think about that, think about this gentleman who was able to stand on the deck of a ship over hundreds of feet of water where he knew his daughter's bodies were below him and he would never see them again this side of eternity and was still able to say, whatever my lot, it is well, it is well with my soul. So as we go through this passage today, and we're going to be looking at 2nd and 3rd John. Yeah, I get to preach two whole books of the Bible today, so brace yourself, sit back. Uh, but we're going to look at why it's important that we do this. Now, when it comes to reading your Bible, there are many different approaches, and we've talked about those over the course of the last four weeks. And you'll see that what we've looked at over the last four weeks, some of these different approaches are... Next slide there. Okay. The purpose, again, the, of these approaches is to get you to read your Bible. Now, I purposely put your in yellow and I put it in bold because I want you to understand the importance of reading your Bible. Now I know in this day and age we can read the Bible in many different ways and we've touched on that and I'll be honest most of the time when I do my daily devotional I use my phone the Bible app which is great it's got all these different translations and it's you know you can if you've got a phone connection and you've got that app on there you can read wherever you are. Now if I'm studying I usually pull this out because this is my Bible. Now, for those of you that don't know, I spent 23 years in full-time uh, Christian ministry. I was a youth pastor for most of those years. And one of the things I love to collect is, uh, collect is books. And one of the special type of books I like to collect are Bibles. And I was in, in our um, bonus room the other day where I've got a lot of my old material stored. And there is a stack, I noticed, of Bibles that is literally this tall. 
Now, this is my favorite one now. This is the Holman Christian Standard Bible. It's the one that I've just got to where I feel like it's the translation that works best for me. But this point I'm getting at with read your Bible is get something you can read. Uh, now, I grew up reading King James. And if you've read the King James Version, you know that it sounds a lot like Shakespeare. It's written in the good King's English or the Queen's English or whichever English we're speaking now. Obviously, I don't speak either one of those well. But... If you're not familiar with that, if you weren't raised reading that type of verbiage, it's not going to make much sense. But get you something you can understand. Get you something that when you read it, those pages come alive. And you're able to take what you're reading and not just understand it, but apply it and take it to heart and use it in such a way. Now make sure you get this next point. That it brings you into a deeper relationship with God. And that's the other main point I want to bring out about reading your Bible. It's not just about reading. I love to read. I'm a voracious reader. I thought about actually taking a picture of my bookcase that I have at the house. Uh, it's, you know, six feet something tall. It's got four or five shelves on it, and it's double stacked with books. And unless they're like some sort of reference book, everything on there I've read. And there's others stuck in different places in the house, and I cannot get rid of a book. I know I'm never going to go back and read those books again, but I can't give them away. I can't throw them away. Every now and then I'll take them to use book place so I can trade them in on other books that I'll read. But when it comes to my Bible, that's not a one and done. That's not a read it and be finished with it. It's an integral part of our lives as believers, not so that we can check off a box and say we've read it, but so that we can dive into it and become closer in our relationship with God. So as we talk about this today, and I'm going to give you an approach that I use, and it's going to be a lot like the other approaches. I mean, realistically there's only so many ways you can approach reading and studying the scripture but this is what we've looked at over the past few weeks we've looked at the way you observe interpret and apply uh, Chris brought us the concept of looking for the big idea and then Matt last week talked about the soap journaling method and if you want to go back and look at any of those they're all online I encourage you to go back and read through those again but here's the reality all of these are really just one version of another of read pray understand and apply can we agree on that Donnie you've stood up here you know that's that's what we're talking about you know what I'm gonna talk about today is the method that I use and some hooks if you will that go with it to help you get beyond just the reading thing to, to help it become a part of your life and where it impacts your relationship with God in a positive way and what I call this method is the three T's and I, for the 23 years, most of that time that I was in full-time ministry, I was Southern Baptist. There are some habits that are hard to break, and alliteration is one of those. If you've been to a good Southern Baptist sermon, you know everything's going to begin with the same letter, and it's going to be three points. So guess what? Everything today begins with T, and there are only three points. So you'll be able to take this home and apply it fairly easily, I promise. So we're going to talk about the three T's. And the first one of those three T's is take it in. If you're viewing at home and taking notes or keeping score, this is the read part of it. But how are you going to understand the Bible if you don't read the Bible? Now, you'll notice I don't have the table up here and I don't have notes with me today. And that's not because I have committed all of this to memory. Uh, the next statement that comes out of my mouth may make it where I never speak up here again. But for all my years of studying, I use very few notes. I go over things over and over and over in my head a lot of times, but... The reality is when I set foot on this stage, I know about 25% of what I'm going to say. And I think that's one of the reasons that I like speaking so much because I'm just as surprised as you are about what I say. 
my wife can testify to this fact. Uh, but I figured I wanted to do this a little bit more organically today. Now, yes, I've studied. I'm the one that provided all these notes. I didn't tell somebody else to put something on the screen, and I'm going to wing it as I go through. But the take it in part, the read part, we're getting ready to read Second and Third John in their entirety. Don't be afraid. It's just one chapter each book. You know, be thankful they didn't assign me the entire part of Psalms or Ecclesiastes to do today. But let's read Second and Third John, just like we would do if we were sitting down, wherever you sit down and study your Bible, let's take it in. All right, let's go. To the elect lady and her children, I love all of you in the truth, and not only I, but also all who have come to know the truth, because of the truth that remains in us and will be with us forever. Grace, mercy, and peace be with us from God the Father and from Jesus Christ, the Son of the Father, in truth and love. I was very glad to find some of your children walking in the truth in keeping with the command we have received from the Father. So now I urge you, dear lady, not as if I were writing you a new command, but one we have had from the beginning, that we love one another. And this is love that we walk according to his commands. This is the command as you have heard it from the beginning, you must walk in love. Seems like there might be something in there that's important. Um, many deceivers have gone out into the world. They do not confess the coming of Jesus Christ in the flesh. This is the deceiver and the antichrist. Watch yourselves so that you don't lose what we have worked for, but that you may receive a full reward. Anyone who does not remain in Christ's teachings but goes beyond it does not have God. The one who remains in that teaching, this one has both the Father and the Son. If anyone comes to you and does not bring this teaching, do not receive him into your home and don't say welcome to him. For the one who says welcome to him shares in his evil work. That's kind of harsh. Um, Though I have many things to write to you, I don't want to do so with paper and ink. Instead, I hope to be with you and to talk face to face so that our joy may be complete. The children of your elect sister sends sends you greetings. That's 2 John. 3 John, here we go. The elder to my dear friend Gaius... I love you in the truth. Dear friend, I pray that you may prosper in every way and be in good health physically just as you are spiritually. For I was very glad when some brothers came and testified to your faithfulness to the truth, how you are walking in the truth. I have no greater joy than this to hear that my children are walking in the truth. Dear friend, you are showing faithfulness by whatever you do for the brothers, especially when they are strangers. They have testified to your love in front of the church. You will do well to send them on their journey in a manner worthy of God since they set out for the sake of the name, accepting nothing from pagans. Therefore, we ought to support such men so that we can be co-workers with the truth. I wrote something to the church, but Diotrephes, who loves to have first place among them, does not receive us. This is why, if I come, I will remind him of the works he is doing, slandering us with malicious words. And he is not satisfied with that. He not only refuses to welcome the brothers himself, but he even stops those who want to do so and expels them from the church. Dear friend, do not imitate what is evil, but what is good. The one who does good is of God. The one who does evil has not seen God. Demetrius has a good testimony for everyone, from everyone and from the truth itself, and we also testify for him, and you know that, true, that our testimony is true. I have many things to write, but I don't want to write to you with pen and ink. I hope to see you soon, and we'll talk face to face. Peace be with you. The friends send you greetings. Greet the friends by, my, or by name. Okay. 
Whew, that's a lot. <laughs> but we're going to break it down. Now, I will say this. We're, we're in the take it in phase right now, and that's what we just did. We took in two whole chapters, actually two verse, or two epistles, two letters that John the Apostle wrote to different individuals. Now, the first one, 2 John, was written to a church. 3 John is written to Gaius, a friend of his, a co-worker in the faith. And we're going to delve into that a little bit more as we talk about the next thing. But just realize, sometimes when you're reading that, it's a lot to take in. Now, I won't sit here and tell you when you're reading the Bible, and I recommend you read it every day, find a time. You know, we've talked about that, a time, a place, whatever works for you. This may be a little bit more than you want to try to take in if you're wanting to dig deep. But the point is, there are also different ways of reading it. Sometimes you can read just for the sake of reading, and I'm not going to tell you that that's wrong. Uh, I love reading the Old Testament. A lot of people don't like doing that, but I like reading the Old Testament because it has some really cool stories in it. Now, I don't enjoy, you know, so-and-so begot so-and-so who begot so-and-so. Now, those things are important. We need those genealogies. But the fact of the matter is, how you read or what you read may affect these next two steps as far as how far you take them. And again, it's okay to read for the sake of reading. I believe there's value in that. And if there's some days that's all you can do, by all means do it. Because that's a whole lot better than anything. Because remember, the goal is not just to read. The goal is to grow in your relationship with God. So just keep that in mind. So we've gotten through the take it in part, which can in some ways with what we were going over today be the most exhausting part of that. So now we're going to move to the second T, which is talk it out. Now, this is my favorite one because I want to touch on a few different things in this. I know some of you guys follow me on Facebook. I'm sorry. Um, you will notice that there's not political stuff or anything like that. It's usually like a cat video or something funny or, <clears throat> excuse me, just crazy things that happen in my life because there are some crazy things that happen in my life. But I guess it was about a year ago, I posted a link to an article that talked about what happens inside of your head. Uh, and it talked about this running monologue that people have. But the thing that was shocking about that is there's some people that don't have this ongoing running monologue inside of their head. I don't know if y'all remembered it or saw it and it was posted by some other people. Here's where this talk it out thing really comes alive for me. I'm one of those people that I do not know what mental, mental silence sounds like. I cannot shut my brain off. In that little split second right then that I wasn't saying anything verbally to you guys, there's still a conversation going on in there. And I always tell people, be thankful you don't have to be inside of my head. Uh, but today kind of gives me a little opportunity to, to invite you in there, as scary as it might be, for just a little while. So what am I talking about when I say, talk it out? Okay, what's the most obvious thing that comes up in that in the talk it out with the Christianese. We're going to make sure we do what during this period of time? You can talk back. It's okay. Begins with a P. Pray. Thank you. There you go. Yeah, that's important. I, when we start digging into Scripture, the most important person that we could talk to about Scripture is the author himself. I mean, just imagine. Think about what if you like to read like I do. You know, who are some of your favorite authors? And what would it be like if you had the opportunity to sit down one-on-one -on -one with that author and discuss, you know, what went into those books? One of my favorite authors right now is Tom Clancy. 
It's not possible to sit down and talk to Tom Clancy now because he passed away a few years ago, but there are people who wrote along with him that are continuing to write in that genre, and I would love to sit down and talk with some of those guys, but I'll most likely never get to. Newsflash, here's the great news as a follower of Christ. You can talk to the author of the Bible anytime, anywhere. He's always available. So why not take advantage of that? So as we read Scripture, as we study, as we try to develop this deeper understanding so that we can grow closer to God, why not take time to talk to the author? And now here's something I want to sit on for just a second with that. Please understand that it's not a one-way conversation. One of the words that we don't like to talk about a whole lot in the church is meditate because we associate it with you know, Eastern religions and sitting up on a mountaintop with your legs crossed and you know, making om or something like that. That's not what we're talking about. As we talk to God, He can speak back to us through the power of who, Donnie? Holy Spirit. Right. We have this great gift of being indwelled by the Holy Spirit as a believer so that we have this open channel of two-way communication with God the Father. I don't know what your life is like, but you probably have someone in your life that when you see caller ID on the phone or whatever, you're like, oh no, because you know you're not going to be talking with that person on the phone. You're going to be listening to that person on the phone. I feel confident in making the next statement that I'm going to make because it is about my mother, and I know there's no way on earth she's watching online because she doesn't know how. I love my mother, and my outgoing personality where I don't mind talking to people comes from my mother, but when my mother calls me on the phone, I don't talk to my mother. I listen to my mother. Donna can tell you, we'll be riding in the car, and you know, it's one of those conversations sometimes that as long as you say, uh-huh, yeah, right. It doesn't matter when you say it. You just kind of stick it in every now and then. And she just knows you're still on the line and she can just keep on rolling. Bless her heart. Um, and again, I love my mother dearly. I wouldn't take anything for her, but we laugh about that. But how many times or how often is our prayer life like that with God? Do you ever wonder if he looks at the caller ID and goes, here I am, I'm just going to listen to him rattle on and give me his to-do list for the day for the next 10 minutes. Because a lot of times that's how we approach prayer. God, here are the things I want you to take care of today. That's not what prayer is about. Prayer is a conversation. And I would encourage you to spend more time listening than you do telling. Now, how does God speak to us? Okay, one of the ways he speaks to us is through his word. That's why reading it's important. But he can speak to us through situations, through circumstances. He can speak to us through individuals. There are a lot of different ways God can speak to us. And if God wanted to, because he's God and God can do what God wants, he could speak to us in an audible voice. That would frighten us. But I guarantee you it would get our attention. And chances are God is not going to speak to you out of a burning bush or you know, up on top of a mountain where he's delivering tablets to you that are engraved with some pretty important you know, guidelines for living in there. He's probably not going to do that, but he can if he wants to. But if that's not the norm, what do we need to look for? I think we need to look for how, again, the Holy Spirit prompts us and leads us and guides us. That's why it's important to be quiet, to talk to him and let him talk to us. Now, again, if you could step inside of the terror that is my brain, you would know that 
there are a lot of things that go on in there. And when I stop talking, like I said, that conversation is still going. So when I get to this part of this talk it out, I have to be very careful to who I'm listening to. Am I just listening to Randy reinforce things? You know, because sometimes we can be our worst enemy when we, we believe something or want to convince ourselves of something. We can easily do that even though we know it's not the best thing in the world. So we're facing decisions, when, you know, and, and I'm one of the world's worst when it comes to gadgets. Uh, Donnie has alluded to my collection of hobbies that I have. And if I see something that I'm the least bit interested in, one of the hardest things to do is to get my mind to talk me out of it. You know, do I want to try such and such? Oh, yeah, that sounds like a great idea. Let's roll on that. And so I have to be careful during this talk it out phase of when I'm listening, am I listening to God? Are the prompts that I'm receiving, are the directions that I'm feeling pushed in, are those the things that God is wanting me to do so that I can become closer to Him and grow in my relationship with Him? So that's the prayer part of this. But the other part of talking it out is don't be afraid to talk about Scripture with each other. As believers, other than having a relationship with Christ in common, this book is also something we have in common. And if we're actually reading it, daily like we should be reading it, then it should be possible over coffee or, you know, wherever to say, hey, I was reading such and such out of, you know, the Gospel of John today. And have you ever read that before? You know, hopefully they're going to give you an honest answer. You know, what do you think about this? What what do you think about that passage when Jesus says, love your enemies, bless those that curse you, do good to those that hate you, and pray for those who despitefully use you and persecute you? That's just hypothetical, isn't it? You know, engage somebody in that conversation. Remember, it's an election year. Pray for your enemies, love those that hate you, do the good for those that curse you, and pray for those who despitefully use you and persecute you. That's probably something that might be interesting and important to to take to heart during this time that we're in right now. Engage other people in conversations about Scripture. And you can do it in a way that's not weird. But the thing I really encourage you to do is make sure you're engaging another believer in that. You know, have dialogue about Scripture. Talk about it. And then the other part of talking it out is don't be afraid to share it with people who are not believers. Now, you might get some weird looks, and I know the longer we go on, Christianity in some ways is less accepted in our world, um, and we want to blame it on certain groups of people. Here's my opinion on this, and this is not something I'll put on Facebook because I think it might go in the political category. You want to know why Christianity probably has as bad of a rap as it does today? Christians. You know, because, remember that verse I was talking about, love your enemies, you know, all that stuff? How often do we do that? You know, if you want to put God's Word into action, be willing to discuss it with non-believers, but here's the little caveat in that. Make sure your life backs it up. Now, I know, none of us are perfect. We all screw up, and the reality is we are all a hypocrite in some way. I am, I'm sure you are. I don't know if you are or not, but I'm fairly confident in knowing that we're all human, that we are. But... When that comes up, you ever talk to somebody? Say, I'm a Christian. Well, I don't like Christians. They're all hypocrites. Agree with them. You're right. We are. But the good thing about it is we're forgiven hypocrites. Let me tell you about what that means to me. And apologize. I'm sorry you've gotten such a bad impression. So there are a lot of ways when we dive into the Scripture that we can talk it out with God, with believers, with non-believers. So basically anybody you come in contact with, you can talk about Scripture. Just, again, don't be weird. Okay? Try not to do that. Now... But what we're going to do in the next little bit as we talk it out, what I want us to do is to look at 
these two chapters we just read and bring out certain points. Because if I were sitting down looking at these, these are the things that would jump out at me. <clears throat> Excuse me, they would be the big ideas, sort of, that Chris had talked about a few weeks ago. And so I would talk them out. Now, I will say this I read everything at once. That is not generally the way I apply these first two T's. Take it in and talk it out usually happens simultaneously, but I just couldn't figure out a good way to kind of make that happen today that felt like it was going to flow the way I wanted it to. So now we're going to go talk it out. So let's look at some of these passages of Scripture. To the elect lady and her children. All right. Now, sometimes when you read Scripture, uh, so I urge you now, dear lady, not as if you were writing or not as if I, wait a minute. No, I'm going to go back. Go back to the first one. Sorry. I told Tony this would be fun today. To the elect lady and her children. As we look at this passage of Scripture, if we're not willing to dig in deeper and kind of find out what's going on, we're going to probably think that John the Apostle is writing to some woman, right, and her kids. Does that seem like a reasonable assumption in this? Yeah, it does. And that would be okay because, you know, John's John. He could write whomever he wants to write to. But when we dig in and look at other verbiage throughout these passages, we realize that the elect lady is the church. And her children are the fellow believers. And you'll see that more as you go through and as you read because there's a reference in the end of this book that it kind of references to the children that are here with me, you know, supporting you and praying for you. But I bring this up because it's, it's good to have study aids sometimes. Um, one of the things I love about this Bible that I have is it is a study Bible. You know, I know that because it says it right there on the spine. It says study Bible, so it has to be. But when I look at this one, it has a lot more resources in it that I could use. Like looking in the third John, it's got a little introduction here, and then it's got some stuff about the circumstances, the message, the contributions, the structure. You know, that's just a really general outline that I could get without digging out a commentary. And I've got the commentaries too, but in getting a Bible that you understand, you know, I was able to gather just from looking at this one, even if I had no prior knowledge of this passage of Scripture, that John wasn't talking to a woman and her kids. So it's important that we have some resources as we talk it out that help us get a firm understanding of what we're talking about. Next passage, Tony. So, so now I urge you, dear lady, not as if you were or if I were writing you a new command, but one we have from the beginning that we love one another. And this is love that we walk according to his commands. This is the commands as you have heard, or this is the command that you have heard. It from the beginning you must walk in love. So as we talk this out, looking at these two verses, 2 John 5 and 6, is there a word that just kind of jumps out there? What was that? Love. I think that's important. You know, so as I look at this, and I look about love, now there's another word that comes up a few times in here, and it's this word we don't like too much, commands. Well, wait a minute, Randy. I'm not saved by following commands. I'm saved by putting my faith and trust in Jesus Christ. You are absolutely 100% correct. And you can follow every command in the Bible and die and go to hell. Because it's not about following the commands. It's about having a personal relationship with Christ, accepting Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, and His sacrifice on the cross as the only means by which salvation can be attained. So, following these commands don't get me to heaven. I follow these commands because I'm going to heaven. Uh, I've used this illustration before, but I think it's perfect. 
Uh, and again, I don't know if you've noticed it. I have a little bit of a southern accent. It's kind of hard to pick up on. Okay? And I, I guess it's more obvious when I stand up and speak because nobody else on staff is from the south. Um, but I don't speak with this accent so that I can be southern. I speak with this accent because I am southern. I don't do the things that I do for God so that I can be a Christian. I should do those things that I do for God because I am a Christian. There's a big difference there. So he's not talking about following commands so that you can attain favor with God. He's talking about following commands because imagine what's going to happen in this world if we as believers loved everybody. Do you think it might make a little bit of a difference? John's saying this 2,000 years ago, and I think it's still relevant today. Next passage, Tony. Uh, says, many deceivers have gone out into the world. They do not confess the coming of Jesus Christ in the flesh. If you were here in week one when um, Donnie was talking about what makes up the first few chapters of 1 John, we know that there was a problem with false teachers that was prevalent in all the groups, all the people, all the churches that John was writing to. And again, there's a problem with false teachers today. And the problem that they were having back then was people that were teaching that Jesus didn't actually come in the flesh or that the flesh and the spirit were separate. So when Jesus was dying on the cross, his physical body was dying, but he wasn't really suffering. You know, it, it, it's all false teaching. And so we need to be very careful today because if there were many deceivers that had gone out then, imagine how many more deceivers go out today. And this, again, is another reason why it's so important to read the Scripture because... How do we know what's false and how do we know what's not if we don't have a knowledge of what Scripture says, of how God is teaching us to know what's right and what's wrong, not just in our actions, but in what people are feeding us. I'll tell you this, and I know Matt and every other person that preaches here would say, take what we say, go compare it to Scripture, make sure we're right. And there have been times I've stood up and I've said some things that, weren't right. I didn't mean to do it intentionally, but I'm thankful there were people in the church that were willing to question me, to talk it out and say, I don't know that that was right. And one of the most humbling things to do is to stand up in front of a large group of people and say, you know what I said last week? Yeah, I was off on that. You know, I need to correct that. Sometimes it's just because, again, I don't always know what's coming out of my mouth, but you know, that's just the life that I live. So we need to watch out for false teachers. Next one, Tony. All right, now we're jumping over into John, third John. The elder, and again, that's John. To my dear friend Gaius, I love you in the truth. Dear friend, I pray that you may prosper in every way and be in good health, physically, just as you are spiritually. <clears throat> so while the other book that we read was written to the church as a whole, we learned from this that it's being written to an individual named Gaius. Gaius, different. The thing about pronouncing biblical names, just pronounce them like they're right, nobody will ever question you. Trust me. Okay, so we're going with Gaius here. This is someone that is a partner in ministry with John. He's serving in a local church that John has some connection to. And he is writing to encourage this individual. And you'll see as we get farther on why he's encouraging him. So next one. Um, says, Dear friend, you are showing faithfulness by whatever you do for the brothers, especially when they are strangers. Therefore, we ought to support such men so that we can be co-workers with the truth. Is that the... Okay. And then here... Nope. Go back. I'm sorry, Tony. Um... During this, that day and age, churches were different than what we consider churches today. Most of them didn't have these big, beautiful buildings like we have. There were no steeples. Um, 
they did have potlucks. They did have fellowship. You know, food's always kind of been a part of this whole gig. But they mostly met in houses, and there were individual lay leaders that were the people that were in charge of the churches or looked over them. And John's friend Gaius, Gaius was one of the ones in this, and not only did they get the information from these individuals that led them each week, but there were people that would travel around, disciples of the disciples or the apostles, who would take it and go out and teach different people. Remember, they didn't have the Internet, don't know how they survived, but they didn't have that. So they actually would write things out, and people would take that to different churches, and not only would that individual deliver that epistle, that letter, but they would also say, Here, here's some of the things John's taught me. And so what John is saying is, you know, I, it's great that you are accepting these people that are traveling around teaching. You know, as long as they're teaching what's right, you know, I encourage you to do that because it means a lot to them and it means a lot to me because in doing that, it helps bind us together more in the truth. Next one, Tony. It says, I wrote something to the church, but Diotrephes, who loves to have first place among them, does not receive us. This is why if I come, I will remind him of the works he is doing, slandering us with malicious words. Is that the end of that one? I think it is. <laughs> Nope, we keep on going. And he is not satisfied with that. Uh, he not only refuses to welcome the brothers himself, but he even stops those who want to do so and expel them from the church. Now, now like I said, I, I was in full-time ministry for over 23 years. And I got to say, when I read this passage, it shocked me. Because I read this passage, and that tells me that back then, there were people in the church, leaders even in the church, that cause problems in the church. And, and I just can't imagine that happening. Can y'all? I mean, it, it shocked me to my core that sometimes there can be dissension in the church. And if you haven't picked up on the sarcasm yet, please do. Um, one of the reasons I'm not in full-time Christian service anymore as far as being a paid staff member to church is because of some of the crap that I put up with with churches. And if you're watching on Facebook, you know who you are. Doubt you are, though, because if you saw my name on it, you wouldn't pull it up and watch it anyway. But little bit cynical, little jaded, I'll admit that. Okay. Um, but here's the thing. There's this person in the church named Diotrephes, and he's a, a leader. Now, I don't know if he was an official leader of the church. I don't know if he was the senior pastor, the executive pastor, or any of those other names we get for pastors today, or if he was a lay leader. Based on personal experience, I'd say he's probably a deacon, but again, that's my Southern Baptist stuff popping back out. But Here's the thing I gather from this. Yeah, you got a group of people that are meeting together, even if they're meeting together for a common cause, even if they all call themselves followers of Christ, sometimes, sometimes, there may be some that are in it for the wrong reason. And they may want to just bring fame to themselves. And they may want to be in control of things in a way that they shouldn't be in control of. Now, I will say this. I love Journey Church more than any church I have ever been a part of. And one of the reasons I love Journey Church so much, and I'm not being paid to say this, is because of Matt Dawson and Don Gentry and the other staff members here because I honestly feel like when I walk into this place, it's not about them, it's about him. Okay. Yeah. But the reason I think that is so important is because it really is about him. And if we're going to be the church we need to be, Big C Church and Little C Community Church, it's got to be about God. And, and I'll throw in another little thing here since I'm stroking egos. Um, I was mentioning the worship team earlier. I, I see people complain all the time about music in their church because they feel like they're just going to a concert. 
I never feel like I'm in a concert when I come here. I feel like I'm standing in front of a group of people that are worshiping God through music and just allowing me to take part in it as well. And I appreciate that so much. You know, and it's not about the smoke machines and the lights. It's about Him. But evidently, back then, it wasn't always like that. And sometimes today, it cannot be like that. But here's the thing, the point I want to get across in this. If you run across somebody that you feel like is causing a problem in the church, try to engage them in a Christ-like manner. Pray for them and deal with it in the way you feel led of God to deal with. Because, again, the world is watching. All right, next one. Tony. Dear friends, do not imitate what is evil, but what is good. The one who does good is of God. The one who does evil has not seen God. I'm not going to dwell on that for very long because I think that one's probably self-explanatory, but it is important, right? Okay, you know, the one who does good is from God. Now, is it possible to do good for wrong things or at least appear to be good? Yeah, that's why motives are so important. That's why you need to know who you're dealing with when it comes to things like this. Keep going. All right. Last part, and I'm going to wrap this up real quick. My last T, we've got take it in, we've got talk it out, and now we've got travel with it. What on earth are you talking about? Well, the easy word to put up there would be apply. But here's the thing I want you to take away from this today if you don't get anything else. What you read in Scripture today might not be applicable today. And think about that for just a second. I think sometimes we want to read it and say, okay, God, what do I need to do today? And there may very well be things that the Holy Spirit speaks to us when we read Scripture today that we need to do today. But remember, it's not about reading just so we can check it off the box. It's about growing in our relationship with Christ, and that is an ongoing process. So the Holy Spirit may very well teach me something today that I may not apply till tomorrow or next week, or next month, or next year. But if I'm taking these things as Mary did, remember if you go back and read the Nativity thing, she took those things and she hid them in her heart. That's what we're supposed to do. Not so we say, oh, I read my Bible, but I understand it more and I know how to apply it. So what are the things we're going to travel with quickly from what we looked at today? And I'm just going to hit these real quick. First of all, love one another. If you don't take anything else away from anything you read in Scripture other than the fact you've got to put your faith and trust in Christ to be a believer in Christ, second most important thing, love one another. Walk in love. Treat people with love. Be nice to each other. Be kind. And you would be amazed how much more impact the church would have if we do this. So love one another. Beware of false teachers. Watch out for heresy. And... Again, this just reemphasizes the point of why it's so important to know what you know what you know about Scripture. Because if you don't read it, if you don't know it, if you don't understand it, then you're going to be blown this way and that, and you're liable to believe anything that anybody says. I don't care who stands in front of you. I said it earlier. I'll say it again. Go back and check it against Scripture. And not just the passage they read, but you can probably find other passages that speak on the same thing and make sure what you're hearing is the truth. Especially if you listen to the radio, watching TV, and there might be some things on Facebook that aren't true, too. I don't know. Just <laughs> haven't delved into that that deeply. Next up, take care of your leaders. Because I will say this. Every time you see Matt Dawson, for the most part, Matt has a smile on his face. Okay? Because he's just a happy Canadian kind of guy. Eh? <clears throat> But I can tell you this, not because of conversations that he and I have had, but because I know the position that he's in, there's sometimes things are bothering him. And what you see on the surface may not be what's going on under the surface. Pray for your leaders. Encourage your leaders. 
take care of your leaders because you really don't know what they go through. I can only imagine what it's been like to be a leader in any church through all this virus stuff that you've had to deal with. I mean, that's just a nightmare waiting to happen daily when you wake up and you still get up and you still go and you still deal with it and you still lead God's people. Take care of your leaders. Next, stand against wrongdoers. But I should have put an asterisk on this one. When you stand against wrongdoers, how do you do it? In love. It's kind of this cyclical thing we keep coming back to, isn't it? Loving people must be important. But just remember, as hard as it is to believe, not all people can be trusted because even though their actions might seem like they're good, their motives may not be. Here again, that's why it's so important to be in touch with the Holy Spirit. And, some, and if you're in tune with the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit offers us discernment. And you will know, you know, hey, have you ever been around somebody and you just kind of get that creepy feeling? Hair starts to stand up on your back, your neck, back of your neck? Could be the Holy Spirit kind of saying, beware, watch out for what this person's saying. Next, strive to do good. And here's the thing. Our heart is really revealed by our actions. Even though a person might seem like they're doing the right thing for the right reason, if you spend enough time around that person and their motives are not pure, their heart is not right, eventually it will come out. You will see. They will slip up and you will know. So make sure that you understand that your heart is revealed by the things that you do. That brings us to the slide that shows us the recap of these three T's. Take it in, talk it out, travel with it. If you've got any questions, don't forget, please you know, submit the questions through the email address or through the phone number. Uh, I guess if anything really concerning comes in, they'll probably make me do something Tuesday about that. I don't know. I'll have to find out about that because like you said it, now you've got to explain it. But we'll see what goes on with that. But as we close this out, we don't do this series each year just so that we've got something to fill the latter part of the summer months. We do this series every year because we understand how important it is for us to be the church that we need to be that we all as believers need to be engaging God through his word to grow in our relationship with him. Let's pray. Father, we thank you again for this day and your many blessings. We thank you for your word. And we thank you that we, in this day and age, are able to pick it up anywhere and read it and study it. But God, we know it's still on us to do that. And I pray that you'll help us as your church, as your children, to take and pick up your word and read it and to take it to heart. Father, we pray for our leaders, we pray for our church, we pray that you would just help us to be what you need us to be and that you'll lead us and guide us to impact the world in a way that shows that we love you, we love each other, and we love them. We thank you for all you do for us. Just pray that you'll guide us in Christ's name we pray.